Well, if you have your Bibles, we're, we're, I normally don't do this, but in, in, the, in the structure of things today, I'm going to use three different passages that I'd like to look at. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at them at a high level today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start off in Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 15. It's what we read, um, and then we'll go through that. So what I'd like you to think about here is this fact, that the history of humanity has actually been one of a constant attempt to be enslaved. From Genesis 3 to Revelation, we see an attempt of humanity to be gods and to bear the weight of the universe upon their shoulders. To want to be in control, to want to determine their own fate, to want to work to earn the approval of God and others, and to do it until we are worked to the bone. Humanity does not like rest. We like to be slaves. Now, you may say, wait a minute, come on. You can't say that. There's lots of people out there who don't want to work, who just like to rest. That's their life. But think about this for a moment. They have another way that they are being enslaved. They are trying to be their own gods, wanting everyone to serve them wanting a life of ease and using other people so that they can just live in that ease. Some demand that everyone else just work to be their slaves and others desire to live a life where they don't contribute to or for others' good. And so we like, as people, to make other people our slaves. We like to use them. So we are either slaves or we want to make other people our slaves. Today, what we're going to see that as Christians, we need to find our true rest in Jesus Christ, who is Lord of the Sabbath. Instead of focusing on this pass, on like just one passage, though, as I look at these things at a high level, I want to look at these passages. Let me read first Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 to 15, which we have already read, but it is God's word and we will repeat it. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God is forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Father, we come before you and ask for you to open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds to behold wonderful things in your law. And actually, that wonderful thing, the wonderful thing that we behold in your law is the face of Jesus Christ and your mercy through him. So we pray that you would, behold, you would allow us to behold Jesus Christ today, that we would see him in all his glory, that we would worship him, and we would find our rest in him and him alone. Lord, allow me to simply just be the spokesperson for you, that you would speak to your people today through me. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Exodus 20 also has this command in it, as well as this passage in Deuteronomy 5. And there's a command to rest. What gives with that? Have you ever thought that through? God commands you and I 
to rest. Why? Why out of, they call these Ten Commandments the Ten Words, that speak of love for God and love for others, would there be a command to rest one day out of seven? It's just as I said in the intro. We want to be slaves. We want to control. We want to control others. And we want to be in charge. But what is interesting about this command is this command bridges the two ideas found in the law. Love your God and love your neighbor. In this command, you see both love for God and love for neighbor right on top. It's a perfect transition between love God by not having idols, by honoring his name, by not uh, having other gods before us. And so what happens is the Sabbath day is said to be a day once a week where it is to Yahweh your God. To Yahweh your God. This expresses our love for God. It is to Him. It is for Him. It is a day where we are to remember that we were once slaves. Do you know that? That today you're supposed to be remembering that you were once slaves. Working and worked to the bone by the worldly and by spiritual powers and even by yourselves, you making yourself a slave to your company to your job, to your dreams, to your ideals. But because of God's great rescue, because of God's work, we were brought out of slavery by His mighty arm. God is our deliverer. And so we are to dedicate one day out of seven to worship God, to delight in God, one day to find our rest in Him. And He baked it in the world, even in creation. He baked it in the world. On day seven, the Lord rested. He gives that reasoning for why we should rest one day out of seven. Work. Six days shall you work. The seventh day, the Sabbath, the Lord your God. Six days you shall work. Work. Seventh, rest. Work and rest. A work and rest. It's a rhythm of life. The Sabbath day. It is a day that also shows our love for others. Did you read, in, as you were reading this, did you notice how many other people were brought into this? Even your animals. It's like, holy cow. Sorry, that was a bad, it was not intentional. Um, so essentially, we are, we are not to put others in slavery or bondage. Not our family, not our employees, not our animals, and not even people who might tangentially, um, sorry for the slip-up, work for us. We are not to all those things. People who are on the tangents of our lives, we're not to make them work. Our families, we're not to make them work. Our friends, we're not to make them work. Our animals, we're not to make them work. It tells us all these things. We are to do this to love others, to show them that even they can find rest in God. Even they can find rest in God. Guess what? It's not just you that are free. It's others that are free too. So, this shows love to others. You can see how it bridges. So the conclusion of the Sabbath command, though, is that we keep it because God delivered us. 
The command is to is for our best interest. It's for our best good. It keeps us rooted and grounded in the freedom that only God can bring us. But what's really fascinating is that this one day a week work, right? One day a work, a, 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 a week of of rest, and then six days of work. That rhythm actually God baked it in other commands in the Old Testament. And that was that you were to work you know, the land for six years. And on the seventh year, the land was to rest. And God would bless the land and give you crops from all the previous six years that were done. And that would allow you to give the land to rest too. So God wanted the earth to rest too. And actually, God was really angry when his people didn't do that. But then... He basically, after this, he then made another rest. And he said that there should be a liberation every seven sevens. Every 50th year, the people were to absolve their debts, to give back the land that they had taken, that they, the land that they had been given them, that their, their inheritance, and to give that back. Now here's the question for you. If God says, you must rest one day out of seven. And if he says the land must rest one year out of six, I would make a slight argument here. This is where the idea of sabbaticals come from. The idea of a sabbatical. If you're not familiar with that, often in, in churches that take serious this idea of rest, they will give their elders, their pastors, time to rest once every seven years so that they can be rejuvenated and find rest in God. We sort of do this in our own culture. It's kind of been baked in. I don't know when, I didn't do any research. I don't know when the idea of vacations came in. But you have these things given to you at work usually, usually. And and, And companies that give these things, in my opinion, are fulfilling the idea of God giving rest to people and not working them to the bone. So these are cultural things that have seeped in, in my opinion, from God, his commands like this. God takes this seriously. Essentially, what God is saying through all these things is, you will constantly try to keep yourself in slavery. You'll try to work harder, to make more money, to accomplish more. And God is saying, I redeemed you to be free. Live in my freedom. Everything in you is going to try to go back to bondage. That's what the Israelites did. And so, essentially, God is saying, create rhythms in your life and in your society to keep you focused on my rest. To keep you remembering that you are truly free in me. But the problem is that God's people have constantly, continually hardened their hearts against him and have tried to find their rest in everything but him. I want to read Psalm 95, 6-11. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when you, your fathers, put me to the test and put me to the proof though they have seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their hearts 
and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest. What do we see here? First, we see that as God's people, they are, we are the sheep of his pasture, the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. He watches over us. He puts you under his care. This is why he doesn't just say, don't have hard hearts. Did you notice he didn't start with don't have hard hearts? What did he start with? You're my people. You're my sheep. I take care of you. Like a warning on a coffee cup, right? He tells us how he loves us and tells us, hey, I don't want you to have hard hearts. Like a good shepherd, he chases after us when we wander. He gathers us in his arms. And God demonstrates this in Jesus who left heaven in all its glory, came to earth to pursue us as wayward, wounded, dying sheep. The good shepherd, Jesus, redeemed us from the wolves at the cost of his own life. He is our shepherd. In a sense, what we're being told here is, don't you see, I'm trying to help you, not hurt you. We are loved and cared for by the creator of the universe. But then he warns us and he says, listen to me. Don't have hard hearts. Don't just do whatever you want. Don't test me. And there was a time when Israel was traveling. This, this passage is dealing with this. They're traveling to the promised land, the land of rest. And they were, began quarreling with God because they wanted more water. They were angry and bitter toward God and Moses. They quarreled Meribah. That's the meaning of that name. With God, they quarreled with God. And they tested Massa, God, by demanding that he give them what they want when they wanted it. And even though they had seen God's great deliverance, his provision, and his ability to do anything, they were not satisfied to wait upon God. And they, let, and they were not satisfied to let God provide exactly the right amount at the exact right time. They wanted to be in control. They wanted to be the masters. They knew exactly what God was capable of. They knew that he could do anything and everything necessary to save and provide for them. He just wiped out Egypt, basically, for that. Parted the Red Sea. Gave them manna. So, they knew that he could do that, but God was an end, was not an end in himself. God was simply a means to get what they wanted. God was just about getting them what they wanted, feeding their bellies. And so God represented a better life and the fulfillment of their passions and desires to them. See, that's religion, guys. Religion is just using God to get what you want. That's not what we are called to do. There's a sense that the word religion means devotion, which is a good thing. But we worship a God in relationship, not a God who just is for us to feel good. So God was only useful for them when they were getting what they wanted. God was a genie in a bottle. He was a cosmic bellhop. Ding! Please give, us, give, me, give me fruit, give me vegetables, give me whatever. That's what they, how they used God. But because they didn't love God and didn't care about him and had no real relationship with him, that generation was set to wander in the wilderness for 40 years and then die. They never saw God's rest. They never saw the promised land, but their children did. And so God warns us that if we have the same hard hearts, ones that simply use him for his gifts, and not to have a relationship with him as his people, his sheep, then we won't enter that 
rest. So people who try to use God are those people whose hearts have gone astray. They are far from God. They don't know him. They don't love him. They have one God. That's their belly, themselves, their own stomach. So God becomes angry at their false worship. God becomes angry at their false gods. He swears that they will never be with him and experience the blessings of his presence. Why? They don't love him. They don't want him. They love themselves. They want themselves. So they will spend eternity with themselves in isolation from God in judgment. And so though Israel has been freed from slavery, been provided for by God, been given rich blessings, blessings, had been given legislation that proved that God was their rest, and had been given the promise of a land where they could dwell in peace and safety, that wasn't enough. I don't know. The laws of rest were real and concrete metaphors for the kind of life that they would have in the present and in the future if they lived in God's love and if they lived in his rest. They had a work and a rest rhythm that allowed them to enter into paradise, into a new Eden every single week. Does one day a week setting apart from God, coming in to worship him, does this feel like Eden? If it doesn't, you might be seeking something else than God's rest. Sunday is entering into the rest of God with all of your being. That's what it's for. So we are being told that hard hearts, that rebellion and testing God where he doesn't mean anything to us and that we just get stuff out of him will ultimately lead us to eternal punishment and separation from him. That's the point. That's what he's getting at. You see, God's rhythm has been baked into his people's redemption, lives, rest. And rest is continually rejected by Christians. We secretly don't want it. It makes us dependent. It makes us helpless. It says that God is my only rest, not me. And most of us like to work ourselves to the bone because in it we think we will be safe and secure. If only we can make enough money. If only we have enough savings. If only we keep working, we'll feel secure. And then when we face the future, then we'll rest. How many people have spent their lives building up their retirement? To say, well, I'm going to rest then. And you know what? For many, it's not what it's cracked up to be. You're old, you're frail, perhaps. You can't do what you used to wanted to do. They didn't get to enjoy the things in life at the time that they had them because they couldn't enjoy the rest because they wanted to work themselves to the bone. We enslave ourselves with work. Good work. Good things. We enslave ourselves to them. We worry. We work. We live in self-reliance. We reject God's rest. But not only in our finances do we do this, we do this in the same thing with our relationship with God. We want to work to earn His love and acceptance. Oh, i got to do a bunch of stuff in the church because then God will love me. Oh, He'll be happy with me. If I just pour out all my time and all my energy in the church, 
This is the heart of religiosity. It's not that you shouldn't do things in the church. That's not what I'm saying. But if you're trying to earn favor with God by doing it, you need to stop. Like, I would just challenge you. If you're doing things for duty and not delight, come and talk to me and say, you know, I'd like to back out of some stuff because I'm not doing it with the right heart attitude. I'm doing it to earn favor. We'll figure it out. If there's gaps, we'll figure it out. It's all right. This isn't about, you're not automatons. Do you know that? You are not automatons that are just work for us in this church. You are not here to serve me, to serve the elders. You are here for God. And God says, come and enter my rest. This doesn't mean don't work for God. It just means do it the right way. If you believe that you have to work in the church, then you've kind of missed it. You should be wanting to do it. It should be based from your spiritual gifts. And you should be doing and using the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has given for you within this church. Not being slaves to this church. This is actually this heart of unbelief and not being willing to accept the free gift of God's redemption in Christ is how we slave ourselves. And this is what Jesus is trying to get across in Mark chapter 2, verse 23, and then verses 3 to 6. I'm not going to go very long into this. Don't worry. It's not going to go forever. Um, but Mark chapter 2, I want to read 23 to 3, 6. This is very important. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck the heads of the grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not law, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who, who were with him. And he said to them, I cannot even imagine. I wish I was there. He looks at them, the Pharisees. And he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And then he says what is unbelievable. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. Oh, boy. Can't let somebody get healed on the Sabbath. That might be work. So they might accuse him. I wonder if this, this guy was a plant. You think he was a plant? Maybe. Find the withered guy, bring him in, put him there right in front of Jesus, knowing that Jesus was the healer, knowing that Jesus couldn't stand to see his creation suffering, knowing that Jesus would do this on the Sabbath so that they could accuse him, perhaps. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful to do good? Or is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked at them. He looked around at them and with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart and said to man, to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and the hand was restored. 
the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Here is the author of life who can't stand to see his creation suffer. And he looks around at these hypocritical religious nuts. And he says, hey, is it okay to heal somebody on the Sabbath? And they don't answer, so he gets his answer. It was no, it's not okay. He knew that when he heard, when he heard no answer. And so Jesus, he looks at them with anger. And he basically says, I'm going to do this. And he heals the man. Religion in a person works super hard to make sure that they're right with God. When it looks at the laws of God, it's concerned with detail. Detail. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be this. Why? It wants to be sure that they can obey because their acceptance with God depends on it. It centers and fixates upon self so others get lost in the mix. Others get attacked. It's about self-management. But relationship looks at God's law as a way to see how best we can love and live in a way that makes God happy. It is not concerned so much with details as it about is about relationship. It centers itself on God and others so it gets absorbed or it gets caught up in loving God and others. Jesus was caught up in loving God and loving others. How was he loving God? He wanted to see God's creation magnify and glorify his name functioning and operating properly. How was he loving others? He couldn't take to see that poor man continue to suffer. It's about relationship. Law is suit studied to find out how best to please God. How best to look at God. Do you know that's what the law is for for you as a Christian? The law is a character of God. It's what he likes, what he doesn't like. The law for you is to see God in his beauty and to try to live and look like him. Christians are not anti-law. They're pro-God. And law represents who God is, what he cares about. And so we are pro-law in the sense of God's commandments. That's why David, if you ever want to know whether or not like obeying God's law is important. Read Psalm 119. Oh, how I love your law. Oh, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Oh, how I love your statutes, your commandments, your decrees. He uses five different words to describe God's commands, his laws, his precepts. So Jesus says, Jesus shows that the commandments are all about the heart, the heart of God. And Jesus says that Sabbath was for man, not the other way around. Jesus is the Lord or master of the Sabbath. Jesus doesn't deny the Sabbath and say, well, you shouldn't keep the Sabbath. But he recenters it on its true intention, you. Do you know that the fourth commandment is for you? It's, it's not for God in that sense. It's for you. He created it so you would rest. He created it so that you would find joy in life and not be caught up as a slave. That's why he says, don't you know what it was made for? It was made for man. God on the day seven said, rested so that you would have an example to know that you should rest and not work like a slave. So, 
Jesus gets his true intention to rest and he removes religion from it. He removes the legalism from it and he points it to relationship with God. So what did Jesus mean when he said, I'm Lord over the Sabbath? What he was actually saying is that he is the Sabbath. Jesus is the Sabbath. He is our rest. He is the source of all the rest you ever need. All the rest that you're looking for. He didn't come simply to tell us how to rest correctly. He came to, te- to be our rest. Do you know that? Jesus did not come to tell you how to rest properly. He came to be your rest. And so he didn't come to help us simply learn to rest one day a week. No, he came to be our source of rest all the time. And one day a week is how you can recenter and remember. He came to bring rest and healing to humanity through his life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. So why do we work so hard? Are we trying to prove something to us, to others, to our dad, to our mom, because we didn't get somebody to say good job? Are we trying to to convince God and others that we're good people? In the gospel, the news of Jesus Christ is good. We can be done with the work of working for our salvation. You can be done with the work of working to earn favor with God because Jesus Christ is your favor with God. So when God completed creation, he said, it is finished. God rested in satisfaction. When Jesus died on the cross, what did he say before he breathed his last words? It is finished, he said. Jesus could rest. Jesus worked for 33 years or so. And then on the cross, when he bore your sins, when he bore the eternal wrath and anger of God for all the evil that you have done, Jesus Christ on that cross said, my work is done. I have accomplished your work. All your work is over. You may rest in me. And so on the cross, God's plan of redemption was made available to us all. He died and rose again so that you and I could rest. The cross says that the work under our work is done. The work underlying your work is done. We don't need to prove others to others, ourselves to others anymore. The idea that our work is never good enough or never done is finished. In Christ, we are found perfect. God is pleased with us. Those very words that God uttered to Jesus, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. If you are united to Christ, if you know Christ, God utters those words to you. You are my son or daughter in whom I am well pleased because his righteousness is yours. And God is pleased with you in Christ Jesus. So because of this, that God is satisfied with us, we can be satisfied with our lives. We can have two kinds of rest now. And we get a third later. So I'm going to briefly say this. There's three kinds of rest. First rest is a rest from religion. Take a deep breath, everybody. Because you don't have to earn your way to God. Jesus did it for you. You don't have to work in the church so that somehow you earn favor with God. Jesus did it for you. Rest from religion. Rest in Jesus Christ. 
This doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. It doesn't mean you don't obey Him. It doesn't mean you don't follow Him. That's not what I'm saying, so don't hear that. But what I'm saying is, is that you don't have to earn anything with God because Jesus earned it all for you. The second one is rest from actual work. If you are working seven days a week, you are breaking God's command. I'm just going to tell you straight up. You are breaking the command of God. That command was given in creation. That command didn't stop. And Jesus didn't abrogate it. He did not say. He just said, the Sabbath is different from what you think it is. It's not about all these rules. It's about finding rest. But that actually means a rest from your work. The ancient world, they worked seven days a week. Do you know why we have Sundays off? Most people have Sundays off? Because of Jesus Christ. Rome, that wasn't a thing, you know, right? Do you know that the Christians would go to worship at 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the morning on Sunday because they had to work? That changed later in this world. It is because of Jesus that you have today off that you're not working right now. That's why. He broke into history and time. And so you should take a 24-hour period of time and you should actually not work. I'm thankful for that my elder who asked me generally weekly, when is your Sabbath? When is your rest? Because obviously I'm working today. So I can't take Sunday as a day of rest because I work on Sunday. And that's fine. I love to do it. But I take a different day of the week and I rest. And I don't do church, churchy stuff. right? I just be a human being. I just live. I do silly things. I do what I want to do. I do whatever the case may be. I rest in God and I say, I don't have to do churchy stuff to be find merit with God. I don't have to meet with you all on that day in order to do the right thing. I can rest in Jesus. Follow this example as I follow the example of the scriptures. So, work six days if you have to, but then sit back, give thanks, relax, enjoy God's life, enjoy your family, enjoy your friends, Do acts of mercy and love and kindness. Finally, there's a rest from sin and sorrow. Oh, one day, Jesus is going to take his finger and he is going to wipe the tears from your eyes. No more pain. No more sorrow. I can't see you guys right now. I think one day I'm going to be able to see all of you clearly like this. Jesus Christ is going to take all the pain, all the suffering, all the sorrow, all the misery, all the bad relationships, all your bitterness, all your anger, all the stuff that you sins that you just can't get rid of. And he's going to wash it all away. And you are going to find soul satisfaction and rest forever in him. That is what's coming. That's the third rest. And that's what we long for. So what does it all mean? How do you do it? If you're like me, rest is hard. You can have an overinflated view of yourself like I do. You might think that if you take a day off, the world might stop. Oh my goodness, my company's going to fall off. Fall apart if I'm not there. Really? Come on. Let's be honest. 
Is the world going to stop? Is your company going to fold if you're not working? No. If you don't put those in those extra hours, you might disappoint people, or the ministry might fall apart. If you took a day off, you might fail, or something else would fail. This kind of thinking is just straight-up rank unbelief. It is mistrust in God. It is mistrust in His provision. It is mistrust in His care. It is mistrust in His sovereignty. There is a reason why God regulated rest, because we won't do it. So God has to give a command and tell you to take one day off out of seven. You ever thought about that? It's not a prohibition. You think it's a prohibition, right? If you think the Sabbath is a prohibition, you're looking at it the wrong way. It's actually a blessing. It's a blessing. We need to hear Jesus say, Come to me, all who are exhausted, and I will give you rest. I will give you soul rest. I won't burden you down. Stop your striving. Come to me and find rest. Find rest from trying to earn righteousness. Find rest from your trying to keep yourself alive. I've got you. He wants us to work six days and rest the seventh. He wants us to find our delight in him and him alone. He wants us to trust his sovereign hand and his care. Practically, we need to take that 24-hour period of time where we do what is different from our normal week. Hey, kids, let me talk to you. Put down the iPads. Put down the games that you play every day. Look to Jesus. Spend time with your parents. Play a game. Do something filled with joy. Live your life outside of a virtual reality. Live life outside of something that's giving you, every, giving you the life that you really think you want. Put it down. You too, adults. Applies to us too. Put it down. Do something different with your life. Take a walk. I know winter's coming. It's all right. You can still do it. Might be a little cold. Get some snowshoes. I don't know. Um, it, 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 do something that's going to re-energize you. That's going to refill you. That's going to let you go into work and not go into work feeling ty- more tired than you were before. You ever done that? On Monday morning, you have to work and you're tired, more tired than you were on Friday? It's because you pushed yourself without rest all through the weekend. So, carve out, schedule it. 24-hour time where you just do things that you enjoy, that re-energize you. It isn't just doing things, though, that bring you pleasure. You need to remember God in it. So do things out of thankfulness, out of gratitude. God is your all in all. He's my all in all. And if we are loving him, then we will rest in him. And that fulfills the first tablet of the law. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But it's also a way to connect with those we love. Spending time with them and doing... Parents, don't make your kids clean their rooms on Sundays or whatever day is their day of rest. I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, I have a heart attack. Parents, you are told in that commandment, the fourth commandment, that you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor anything that you have is to, you're to make them do work. Make them do it on Saturday. You still have to do it, kids. But have them do it on a different day. Make them delight in the day. Don't make them do a bunch of work. Have them do their school on a different day and not on Sunday. Have a day where they can rest. They don't need all that school stuff all floating in their head. They can just enjoy Christ like you get to. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to do homework, probably. Why do they? Rearrange their life. Help them do it. Be, a, be the parent you need to be. Tell them, hey, 
Get your school done before Sunday so that we can be together. Not, oh, good, you know, go to the lair and do your homework for five hours. So you can do it how you want to. I'm not trying to legislate this for you, but I'm trying to show you that the command has teeth. Does that make sense? The command has real teeth, like practical results. If it, it doesn't just tell you that you need to rest. It tells you that you need to allow your children to rest, to allow the people to work for you. So if you own a business, guess what? You should never make people work seven days a week. So then you love others. By, that's how you fulfill the second tablet of the law. You love others. Even more than this, it is enjoying the world God has made. After all, that is why he did what he did on a day, his day of rest. He enjoyed the world. Look at this world. It's awesome. I'm so happy with it, he said. So what, act, what activities bring you joy and rest? And how can you make this a part of your Sabbath? What would it take for you to take a 24-hour Sabbath each week? If your life is crazy at the moment and you have commitments and, and, and that, that you shouldn't have made, think about at least starting and Partly obeying God, take four hours and not work. Just start small. If you're overwhelmed and you don't even know what to do, just start small and push that further and further. Rearrange it in the new year. So find your rest in Jesus Christ, your true Sabbath. If you are not resting in Christ, you are not trusting him. If you are not trusting him, you are not abiding in Christ. And if you are not abiding, guess what? You can't do anything anyway. Jesus says, abide in me and my words in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So you're doing all your work? You're not living in Jesus and in his rest? Well, guess what? You're not going to be able to do anything anyway. It's not going to be worthwhile. It's all going to be empty because you have to abide in Christ Jesus. So rest, and maybe you will find that you are actually more productive throughout the rest of the week because of the blessing of God. Father, Glorious God, forgive me for when I think that I have everything together, that I need to do stuff and that I can't rest. Forgive me when I go a week and I schedule a meeting that I shouldn't. Forgive me when I, when I waste my time on stupid devices or whatever the case may be. Forgive me, Father, when I don't find my rest in you and I'm not loving you and loving others in that day. And Lord, we pray for your forgiveness for these things and we ask that you would lead us, shepherd us, guide us into your rest by the still waters. Restore our soul. Jesus Christ, we pray that we, and as we know that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, will you give us rest for our souls? Help us to take a 24-hour time period where we rest from those things that we normally do so that we can be filled with you. We praise you and thank you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.